God. Hello? Why don't you want to talk to me? Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say? That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? Listening to The Fear of God, a podcast exploring the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. So, as we mentioned last week, we're here at Universal Studios, Halloween Horror Nights. And we talked last we talked last week about the wonderful Jurassic Park, and uh, and then now we're going to reveal yet another one because we're still here because we're here right. we were here for like days. Yeah, <laughs> listen, turns out. Listen, I didn't realize you know like it's a pretty expensive couple of episodes. We we're recorded. we're devoted, we're absolutely devoted. Um, so yeah, you can expect more of the same. If you loved last week, then you can expect to love this week. Uh, if it annoyed you, then uh, we apologize. But this is what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, Nathan. Great. You hanging in there? I'm all right. All right, right now. <laughs> For now. Right. That sounds way too young to be here. Oh, yes. They target the children. week uh, while we're while we're still here you know because we spent so much time right here right um, uh, we counted down your listener voted we last week we counted down 30 to 21 so now uh, we're gonna count down your 20 to 11 so this is where we're starting to get into the these are yeah these are your ultimate favorites ready. yeah this is this is the big stuff actually technically this is the penultimate favorites oh yes that's like true I do like how you did that. We we at the Fear of God are like we should say something at the very beginning like this episode brought to you by the word penultimate because we love we love to use it and we use it liberally uh, as as frequently as possible. Um, this, is, this is the penultimate I love the nineties episode. That's true. That's true. And we'll be getting to exactly what your next entry for top for top ten is in just a second. But <laughs> starting at number twenty. Uh, a, a movie that I thought, or kind of 
hoped might be higher, but I'm happy to say that it's in the top 20, is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I feel like I've seen it, and maybe if you, maybe if I remember some of the plot, it would jar it a little bit, but I do think I've seen it. I don't really remember, though. Well, it's, it's so what's great is it, it's directed by Wes Craven. Right. Um, but it's, Do you like it? I love it. Oh, okay. It's, it's my third favorite of the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Because in it, it's, it's really, and it's kind of ahead of its time, too, because in it, the actors, you know, like uh, Wes Craven himself, Robert England, the rest, they are, they are real. And so, right, right. so the premise of... of meta. Yeah, because the premise of New Nightmare is that this, like, external demon uh-huh. has glommed on to the persona of Freddy uh-huh. and is trying to enter the real world using that persona. Oh. And so that's the uh, that's the premise of it and it's, it's it's very strong. It's really good. I think it was like 94 is the year it was made but um, yeah, it is it's a very good movie. I think it absolutely deserves to be top 20. I love it very much. Um, so number 19. Number 19 is The Fallen directed by Gregory Hoblet or Hoblet, not to be confused with Hobbit, featuring Denzel Washington. Time is, oh, yeah. is on my side. Yes, it is. That's a good movie. I love that I movie. don't remember the beat for beat, but I remember appreciating it and it being effective. Oh, yeah. <coughs> and it's the one that... Uh, Who else is in it? Uh, John Goodman's in it. Okay. John Goodman's the only other big name that I okay. remember being in it. But I remember it was like, let me tell you about the time I almost died. And that's, that's, really, that's really very effective. So, number 18, moving right on down the line. You doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> I have to keep checking what in on you. What, because... what listeners can't see. What, this, is like a, this is like a full sensory experience, this episode. These, these episodes. Like, I have sweat dripping down my neck. Um, <laughs> even though it's a nice breezy probably 70 something degrees it is a cool evening here in southern california it feels wonderful but i'm oh i am just like drenched with sweat as we try to make our way through the normal parts of the park true that to the more <clears throat> freakiest hell parts of the park <laughs> um and reed occasionally like a good friend will just sort of noting my hyperventilation check and see if i'm okay so yes i'm okay so what's, what's all right <laughs> <laughs> all right so number 18 was uh, voted in as The Faculty, directed by Robert Rodriguez. The faculty. Oh, The Faculty's is that, fun. Is Robert Patrick in that? Uh, um, yes. Yeah, he is. Okay. Um, Maybe I have seen it. And See, uh, it's been like... Starring Josh these, Hartnett. Some of these came out in high school, and oh, that was a wild time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It really wasn't. <laughs> but no, I, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I like it a lot. Um, it's, it uh, does surprise me it's so high on the list. It's written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I, I don't... I, again, keeping in mind uh, anybody who might be balking at these <clears throat> placements would have to remember that... Like, Y'all voted for it. Well, well, not only that, so, you know, you only have yourselves to blame. Right. Um, but, but no, the, the, the other element of it is the, um, that these are favorites, not necessarily best. Right. So, sure. so you know, it's, it's what, do peop- what do people keep returning to for fun or right. just because they enjoy it, not necessarily because they think it's, it's the best movie or, right. or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I understand why the faculty is there. It's probably there for the same reason that the next entry on the list is, is there. Um, Which is? Number 17 is? I Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Jim Gillespie from 97. Now, I've definitely seen this. Um, that was during the height of my infatuation with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And, um, Weren't we all? And, uh, and, and really just kind of in that 
post-Scream, you know, the wake of Scream, some of these movies that are ostensibly a little bit copycat. Sure. Um, well, and if I remember correctly, man, I would have to look this up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Kevin Williamson I think you're, also, also wrote, yeah, yeah I think also wrote, right. I know, because he had this big run. Right. It was like Scream, I know you did Last Summer, The Faculty, like all, all of those. Uh, but yeah, it's it's entertaining. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I watched it, but but I remember. It was filmed it was in filmed in Southport, North Carolina. Right. And uh, my my parents have uh, a mobile home that is down on a small lot near there. And I remember um, a buddy of mine and I uh, we were vacationing down there, like right straight out of high school, and um, and it was it was fun to watch that movie there. Right. You know, while while we had it, um, but. Uh, Number 16, I mean, as, as we get upper in these lists, I'm less and less surprised that these are the ones sure. that made it up here. Um, but number 16 was from Dust Till Dawn. That's intense. Yeah, and what I, what's it, it's also directed by Robert Rodriguez. Right, right. Um, and what's so interesting about From Dust Till Dawn is it's kind of two movies. Like, the first half is like this sort of gritty crime thriller. Uh, and then <laughs> they land in a... Dive right, bar right. where suddenly Vampire vampires are are a muck. Um, so yeah, that's a. But it, it it's fun. I like it. Uh, uh, number fifteen, 15 is um, a movie I did see and do recall scaring the ever loving ish out of me. Um, it's Event Horizon, directed by Paul W S Anderson, not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson, um, from nineteen ninety seven. This movie's so scary. It I is really scary it in the theater and just being like, "Okay, that was scary as hell." Well, and not to mention the <clears> fact <throat> that, like, I think at the time it was critically panned. I don't think it did very well. Those are the restrooms. <laughs> <laughs> They've done up the air- restroom area to look scary, and I pointed to it with trepidation. And he's like, "No, no, no it's okay, Nathan. Those are the bathrooms." Oh, uh, so uh, why don't we go ahead with? American American this Horror Story. This with a pig, pig head man. Oh, yes. I'm sure I will be a vegetarian on the other side of this. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I have a few more comments about... Event Horizon. Event Horizon, but... Uh, but no, Event Horizon at the time... Did, I love how like I'm trying to talk civilly and there's like know, screams and, and mayhem. To, horror. Yes, uh, for where we're about to walk towards, you know, and walk into. Um, but no, Event Horizon, I think at the time was not very well received, and the studios like chopped it up to pieces. Really? Yeah, and and what's really kind of sad about it is that the film has garnered a cult following over time, and there supposedly exists. A director's cut of it. Well, it doesn't exist, but there used to be like a director's cut that has since supposedly just gone away. Like nobody can find it. Nobody can find the lost footage to potentially repair it for a Blu-ray or to do a director's cut, which makes me really sad because Event Horizon is is an interesting film with some pretty interesting ideas about perhaps the science, the science of hell, you know, and um, and so. So anyway, I, I, interlude here. We're about to walk into an American Horror Story thing. Um, I began season one of American Horror Story on the TV, and it scared me so bad I just stopped. Oh so, wow! You watched yeah. the whole first season, no, or no? No, that's <laughs> I didn't make it that far. You're like, nope, nope, yep, that yep. didn't, that didn't happen. Yep. Uh, you know what? I only made it through the first season. I did finish the first season, but then the second season was about the time my son was going to be born, 
and there was a lot of like religious imagery and oh, I was yeah, like yeah. I'm just not gonna take a chance and I've never gone back to it but this is supposedly themed around yeah. the most recent season uh, not the one Roanoke currently airing yeah. yeah yeah Roanoke right interesting sidebar I performed in the Lost Colony outdoor theater Oh, so this uh, should bring back memories. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that or guy. Just forever associate me with terror, terrible things. Exactly. Um, so next on the list. Oh yeah, so so number fourteen, directed by Tim Burton. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. But directed by Tim Burton is uh, Sleepy Hollow. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is the short story. Oh, nice. It's one of my very favorite stories in all of literature. I love it so much. The Headless Horseman is a very big deal to me as a character. I personally love this movie. I love Sleepy Hollow. Um, I don't think objectively that it's perfect, but I I just love it. I think it's fantastic. I saw this in the movie theater with Jeremy Kerr. Shout out, Jeremy. Hey! It's our first mandate. I don't remember much about it. It's it's really it's it's very violent. I'm getting the impression that just I've got a really bad memory, honestly. Oh really? Yeah. I, I'm 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 picking up on that theme continually. But no, like it's very violent. It's the trauma from the thing you got temporary amnesia. The um, but no, Sleepy Hollow is very violent, especially for a Tim Burton film. It's very violent. Uh, I love the tagline: "Heads will roll." I think that's very clever, um, but it's 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 on the nose or on the neck. But it's uh, it, it's very fun. Uh, I I I think it's I think it's probably the best possible adaptation that they could have done live action of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow story. The the Disney cartoon is still one of my favorites and the the most faithful adaptation of the actual. Of the actual story, yeah. but um, but I but I do love Tim Burton's. Um, so before we head in, why don't you mention number thirteen? Yeah, number thirteen on the list. Lucky number thirteen. Today is well, tomorrow's Friday. Um, <clears throat> directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. This is the 1990 miniseries Stephen King's It. That's right. Talk about some about a month ago uh, with the Body and the Blood Boys. Uh, I don't. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I just remember the giant spider and Tim Curry. That's about it. Yeah, and. I think now, like we, you know, we had an extensive conversation about the new one. I think now that the new one is in place, it's going to be harder and harder to revisit this one. And I think the reason this one's so high, I think the reason it's 13, is because when listeners voted on this, the new one hadn't come out yet. Yeah, that's true. So there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of affection. People are like, "Oh, yay! It's it is great," you know. And so that's the that's the reason why I think it lands at number 13. Um, but meanwhile, American Horror Story. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That is awful. Oh! We have so sanitized American history. Oh, man. Murder. Oh, my God. I had to forcibly stop myself from mowing over the people in front of us. I had to grab a little wall. That's right! That's my hand! That's my hand you're reaching for! Oh god! Oh man, you're never doing this again. I'm never gonna get you out here again. 
Oh man, wow. through that thing. Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh man. Oh god, that stupid pig! Oh, that stupid pig! No more bacon! Oh. No more bacon! Oh! Help me! That wicker man oh my god. was the best! <laughs> oh, yes. Straight up real, brother. Yes! That's There's no fakery on, no, on, no, that, on no, that part. No. Oh! Oh. Woo! Oh. Do you need to go through the scary bathrooms? Too late. <laughs> no, what's the point? Oh. All what's right. What's funny is, I feel like um, my fight or flight mechanism is in such full effect in there. Like, I, I, am, I am scanning ahead of us. Right. Figure out where and when something is jumping out and just avoiding that. So, I don't know if that means I'm working against the system. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's that's how many people do it. Oh, that's man. how many people do it. So we have two left on this countdown. Yeah. So we got. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Oh, let's do Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Let's do that. That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So. Okay, so number 12 was a film that I thought might make the top 10 because it's very beloved and it really deserves to be this high. Directed by Bernard Rose, it's Candyman. Clive Barker's Candyman. One of, yeah. his, one of his staple properties, one of his staple creations is Candyman. I think it's a... I, this is a film that I want to cover very soon. If you recall, it was almost, almost the companion film... Uh, in our Universal series to The Mummy. Yeah. Almost the companion film to The Mummy. I until don't that. Until you wisely redirected us to uh, Bubba Hotel. Oh, right, right. So, yeah. All right, that's number 12. So, no, number, but yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Number 11. Number 11. I don't know who directed this, but I have seen it. Um, directed by Ron Underwood from 1990, that staple of TBS, uh, Tremors. That's TV right. Kevin Baker. Uh, which is a fun movie, actually. You know, I mean, it is what it is. It's fine. Uh, I have not seen Ash vs. Evil Dead. I've not seen Evil Dead. I'm just, oh, man. We're about to go into another maze, everybody. <laughs> Ash vs. Evil Dead. Woo! Uh, yeah, so that was your that was your numbers, whatever it was. Twenty through eleven. Twenty through eleven. Yeah, Trim Trimmers is so much fun. I actually was kind of mildly hoping that Trimmers would be in the top ten. All right, so we're about to enter Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh man! Taking up my position, holding tightly to Reed Lackey. So it's funny because we had to uh, we had to get freaked out and get scared right away. Um, but I do want to just tag in real quick. I feel like we shortchanged uh, number eleven on our listeners list real quick. I just want to sing the praises of Tremors because we, <laughs> we literally brought it up like a second before we we're about to go into the thing. Um, 
but I just I just want to mention before we get into the film proper right now uh, that yeah I, I think I think Tremors is a fantastic movie it's fun it's a, a creature feature like we talked about with Jurassic Park last week um, so is it comedy is it horror is it is it you know funky adventure I don't know but I love it like number 11 I almost kind of wanted it to be in the top 10 and when we reveal next week what the top 10 actually is there's there's maybe one possibly two that I would probably substitute to squeeze tremors in there yeah in the, in the top but I don't want to say too but, much about that but, because but it wasn't your list it wasn't your not uh, my list it yeah. was the listeners list that's exactly right but the listeners got one very big thing right and that is they put this film the film we're about to discuss in the top 10 again we're not going to say exactly where it is but um we are talking today this week about wes craven's 1996 uh landmark horror film scream i love this movie yeah i love this movie so much such an indelible impression so a little a little brief thing uh, on my history with Wes Craven films. So I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like eight, and I was in a my my family's basement room. I saw Scream when I was in high school at I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it at home. And so Wes Craven, in many ways, is kind of like. The guy who scared me when I was at Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, and and man, I I have such a such fond, indelible memories of stumbling upon Scream, hearing great things about it. I had a lot of buzz coming out of the theater, but I, I saw it on video, and um, I just I absolutely I absolutely adore this film, this entire franchise really, but especially this initial film. Still remember so many home viewings I don't have strong memories for but I sure, remember sure. seeing this the first time where did you see it for the well I mean I, I strangely so Scream it, I, it saw, I saw that it was 96 for some reason I had it in my head it was 97 but so I often joke about not remembering things uh, even on this show um, <laughs> Scream had a, a big impact on my latter high school days to the point that I referenced this during Cabin in the Woods. Um, so where I went to high school, um, you had to, as a senior, do what's called a senior project, where right, right. there was this big sort of endeavor. Well, for my senior project, I made a movie. And it's on, maybe I'll post it to the Facebook page once this airs. Um, it's called Shout. And it is inspired by Scream and heavily borrows heavily from it. Um, oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And uh, but but in it, the killer kills people with shout laundry detergent. <laughs> it is idiotic, but it was such a blast to make. No um, way. We 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 directly homage the opening. Drew Barrymore. There's popcorn in in shout. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a scene of. Like like idiotic comedic bits that you as as my friend of almost two decades would would be like yeah that's something stupid Nathan. <laughs> um, so there's a moment where the heroine uh, goes just kind of goes to the vanity in her bathroom and 
behind the <laughs> from the, from behind the shower curtain, the, the killer opens, and like we had the, the ghost face mask and everything. Oh, that's awesome! The, the, my my dear friend at the time, David Hayes. Shout out, David. Uh, our heroines played by Laura Yeomans. Shout out, Laura. Um, the the killer draws open the shower curtain real quick, chases her out of the house. Well, the cut. This, there's two little gags I just have to plug here. The cut happens where Laura runs down the stairs and out the front door. Okay. Well, then immediately you cut to the killer running down the stairs and the door is shut and locked. And he has to, <laughs> well, then you, uh, he chases her out of the house. She's running to the foreground, him running behind her. Another shot, her running to the foreground, him running behind her. The third shot, him running to the foreground, him, her running behind him. So they've switched places. <laughs> it's, it's idiotic and it's stupid. And then all of a sudden he's gone. It makes no sense wow. whatsoever. Wow. But it was a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> in 1997. We had so much fun. Um, I, I was filming at another friend's house late one night. The cops got called on us because oh, it wow. involved screaming in a backyard at like 11 o'clock on a right, weekend right. night. And we explained what we were doing and all was well. But yes, I, I have deep affection for, uh, well, Scream had a large impact on my latter teenage years. Sure, so, sure. Uh, specifically through that. Um, I saw, you may be getting this, I saw one little random trivial bit. Did you, I didn't know this until just now looking. Did you know, um, which is ironic considering where the, the, the spoof franchise goes, the initial title of the film was Scary Movie? Right, exactly. Yeah, I did know yeah. that. And, and the whole reason that Wes Craven took it on is because he had made a few sort of outlier different types of films and uh, and then somebody had made a comment to him about like, yeah, I uh, I miss when you just made scary movies. Like, when you just made scary movies. Yeah. And so then that, that screenplay was somewhere in his, you know, radar at some point. Kevin right, Williamson's right. screenplay. So he took it on and uh, do you know, random trivial bit, that it's it, it actually has its name from the Michael Jackson song. That is not like that's not a fabrication. The Michael Jackson song that he did with Janet Jackson. Yeah, I love that song. Well, yeah, that's so they 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 wanted to do something different than just scary movie, and Michael Jackson's song was very popular. That that's why they named it Scream. I'm not joking or being hype or being silly. Like. Yes. That's funny. That's why they named it Scream was because of Michael Jackson's uh, song. Listeners might be like, wow, Reed's being really defensive right now, but it's probably because I'm giving you such an incredulous look. Like, yeah, you're looking at me like, serious? where's where's the punchline? Right, right, right. right, right. right. <laughs> right. No, I am not uh, I am not joking. Um, I, I, do, I don't have any other specific trivial bits. I don't know what you've um, jumped up. No, I mean, no, nothing major. Just uh, I, did, I did have one question, and that's like, so I, I haven't watched this in years. Sure. I mean, probably not since those latter teenage years have I watched it. And so what that means is since I saw it last, I haven't, I didn't know you. Oh, yeah. And I watched it this time around and I thought, oh my gosh, Reed is Jamie Kennedy. 
like, like it was so it was like a punch in the gut. I was like, holy cow! That's the awful. horror guy who know who worked in the video store. It's true. Knows it's true. all the, the horror movies is calling out the conventions while they're watching Halloween That's, later in it. Wow! I mean, it wow. was it was wild to watch it, <laughs> knowing you now for twenty years and be like, wow, that's that, Reed. That is hysterical. Oh my gosh. Um. Uh, sort of like Jurassic Park, I had a really cool experience with the Scream watch for the podcast. So, in Charlotte, where I live, there's a movie theater that every year, I, I, I've known about it in previous years, but only this year had we been in full-fledged Fear of God uh, sort of recording, and uh, they do a series of uh, horror movies at Halloween on the big screen. Well, Scream was one of them this year. So, actually, for my birthday, I got a couple of guys together, and we went out and watched Scream on the big screen. And what was really cool about it, there was, so there was four of us. All of us had... Uh, no, one person had never seen it. Wow. And these are all 30-something guys. Sure. So, one of them had never seen it. Um, the other... So, there's five of us total. So, four, me and four others. The other three had all seen it, but it had been years. So... Okay. It, it wasn't a fresh experience, but it was like, you know, no one was coming in with a full sure, full knowledge right. of what all we're going to see. So, I will reference a couple of times, because there were some really funny, one of the guys, I'm glad I'd seen the movie, because I realized real quick, like, oh, I, I'd never been to the movies with this person. Oh. I was like, I don't know that I ever want to go to the movies with this guy, because uh. he, he's a movie talker. Oh, um, like, no, in a yeah, movie theater? Yes, yes. Oh. and he'd had a couple of beverages. Oh, and so no. there's this, I mean, it's fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a few lines in as we go. But, um, yeah, so th those are kind of my uh, prefaces. Um, do you want to, let's just dive in, talk about likes, dislikes. I have one more, yeah. one more trivial bit that I nearly forgot. So um, Wes Craven makes uh, one of my favorite cameos uh, of anybody in any film in this in this movie. Do you remember the scene right before Principal Hambury, which Bonds, hey... Um, well, see, you say that, I say blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. <laughs> Let me just jump over the shark earlier. Right, so, uh, right. But, um, so, uh, when he... It, it, somebody's knocking on his door. It's right before he's taken out. Um, he opens the door. Is he the janitor? He's the janitor. That's hilarious. And he's in the Freddy outfit. And he's in the Freddy outfit. Right. And, 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 and Henry Winkler even says, like, no, not you, Fred. You know, like, yeah, as, absolutely. That's funny. It did so, not click with me. That was him. And that's Wes Craven. Yeah. So, well, uh, that's such a great visual gag. Oh, sure. It's um, perfect. So I wanted to, before we got into too deep, I wanted to mention that one. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's dive into likes, dislikes, because, boy, there's a lot to like in this movie. Well, it's funny. Like, this is this is a preface to even that like I feel like my my rewatch was less kind than I wanted it to be really yeah oh wow um I, I don't totally know why but but maybe maybe some you of that went, will, you did go to the movie theater with a talker that's true <laughs> um I love the mask design I mean it's really oh, yeah. strong visual image packs sure. a punch yeah um very simple you know, we uh, no, no conversation about this movie is complete without discussing at least in some respect the Drew Barrymore stuff. I love how there's like zero sense to why to how Steve gets disemboweled. Oh, like right, right, right. It's just like uh, okay, what just happened? <laughs> right, what just right. happened? Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. so 
it's so gross and violent. Sure. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just it, there's no logic to it happening. Sure. Um, sure. I think I think what I mean. Let me let me try to as as these thoughts are developing in real time. I think what I mean by being less kind is I can't I can't quite tell if we're meant and and you know 20 years removed uh, feels a lot different than it did in '97. Um, I can't quite remember. Are we meant to be? in on the joke? Is it meant to be dumb? You know what I mean? Like, I, oh. I can't tell how seriously to take it. Sure, um, okay. And I think, so from that perspective, it was like, well, I don't I don't know how to feel about this now. Um, but, <laughs> uh, my buddy, the, the had had a few beverages, movie talker, <laughs> delivered one of the best idiotic questions of the night when uh, Nev Campbell gets home from school post um, you know one, once the plot has started to click into gear well he just says out loud why is she still riding a school bus <laughs> it was <laughs> what I just I just thought it was the most random but his, hysterical observation wow like I mean they're all they they look they all look 30 years old sure you know sure I mean? that and so sense. it really yep. stands out like well, and two, just like it doesn't even matter. We don't need to see her get off the bus. Right, <laughs> right, know. right. It was yeah. just a really no, funny I moment. I understand. I understand. Um, I love Le- Leif Schreiber and forgot that he was... Yeah, in it for in like it. a shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then plays a much much heavier right, role right, in right. Scream 2. So to that end, do you know where they planned in tandem? That I don't know. I'd have okay. to look up. But but I, I know for a fact Scream, they didn't go into Scream 2. Or they didn't go into Scream knowing there would be a Scream 2. Right, right. So, I mean, you never can you never can know those things with a franchise. Because right. if it bombs, you're not going to get another right. one. Right. But um, it, it is it is compelling to me, and I, I love it. It's fortuitous that Lee Schreiber is able to, you know, like, okay, he's just there. He could, right. I mean, he's an extra in that. He's yeah, not, yeah. not even a cameo. He's, he's an extra. And then... Uh, is able to play a very substantive role in two, and then we know what happens in three. But the uh, the thing that I that I love about that is that the whole series is pretty consistent and fluid. Three does some sort of silly meta stuff right, that, that right, doesn't right. work for me. But but one, two, and I would say even four are really. Oh my gosh, I forgot there was a fourth. Yeah, have you ever seen saw, the fourth? I don't, I don't know that I did. Oh, four four is fun. Like. One and is two. Nev and four. Yeah, Nev, uh, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Yeah, they they all reprise their roles. Um, Allison Breeze in it. Uh, it's got yeah, really? it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 fun. Wes Craven directed it. It was his final uh, picture before he passed away. Um, but the yeah, I mean, I think I think in general, it's just a fortuitous little landmark series, able to stay very consistent. Um, Getting back to the Drew Barrymore stuff, you kind of hit on it and then brushed past it, but yeah, she was, I mean, like Janet Lee with Psycho, you know, 30 years earlier than that, 35 years earlier than that, um, Drew Barrymore was like on the front of the poster advertising it. She's the one with her hand up to her mouth and everything like, like everything about the film's advertising said like Drew Barrymore is in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So for her to get dispelled in the first 15 minutes is is really 
stake raising and game changing, and I, right. and I, I love it. Right. I, I love right. it so much. That first 15 minutes taken in isolation is a nearly perfect little short horror film. Sure, yeah. it's nearly perfect. Um, um, yeah, I love well, it. Well, uh, to to double back on uh, leave real quick. He's got the worst character name ever. Yeah, Cotton Weary. Yeah. I actually made the joke after our screening. I was like, it feels like screenwriting Mad Libs. Uh, it's like, what fabric is your shirt made of? And how do you feel right now? I know, yeah. Like, like it could have been polyester exultant. Uh, you know? yeah. like, this is my fan plastic fatigue. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah. do you have a plastic shirt? I don't know. I've never heard of that. But Wow. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that trips me out. But no, I'm with you. The Drew Barrymore thing, it is, it is game changing. I think maybe I'm, you know, sort of like my Dracula experience with my the play I produced. <laughs> my ability to take it seriously since having made Shout is, oh, is limited. I, I see. Um, I see. I, although at the same time, I do feel like there's some some interesting elements to the movie that I don't know what to do with. Like the plot feels so convoluted. You know what I mean? Like interesting it's there's work to sort of suss out Does, am i making sense at all like, like oh yeah 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 i don't know that i fully agree yet but i'm letting you well couple it's a strong word but as in like once once you're about 40 minutes in eh, 30 minutes the amount of backstory that gets kind of pushed into the narrative is a little bit of it's a lot it's a lot sure you know? right 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 um it's it's a bit required because you got to get to why who did what right sure why sure. they're doing it um, anyway so so yeah that would that kind of stood out to me this time around the um, I love in the in the opening the way the killers get meta like right away like I love when she's when Barrymore is talking on the phone with the killer and. Uh, He's like, never ask who's there. You might as well walk out to investigate a strange noise or something. You know, right, like, right. like Randy, Jamie Kennedy's character, is the one that eventually like gives all the rules, does lays out all of the tropes. But it starts off right away, like letting you know, hey, we're going to be Playing winking at all of this. Right. Like I love that. <laughs> So when Drew Barrymore says, like, oh, yeah, I like the Freddy Krueger movies. Well, the first one was scary, but the rest sucked. Well, Wes Craven only directed the first and, like, the sixth one. You know, so so oh, it's kind of, you right. know, so so it's kind of, you know, they're constantly, like, winking at, right, at right, different right. things. Um, so I just love that they get meta right away and they embrace it. They wholeheartedly right, right. embrace, like, we're meta. But it is this great example where it's not a spoof. Like, it's just a great example of the horror film tropes that it is also letting you know it is aware of right like i right. love jamie kennedy's watching halloween jamie look behind you right you know, oh yeah randy is sitting there but you know his name's jamie and he's right. talking to jamie right. jamie look behind you jamie look behind you and so we as the you know if you recognize oh that actor's name is jamie right, right he's telling right. himself to look behind him because the ghost killer's back there and everything like it's it's great Which you could almost like what's what's sort of brilliant about that moment and that that did stand out to me this time around is you know, someone might say, well, how am I supposed to know that's the actor's name necessarily? You know, nerds like us who know things like actor's names. But 
it stands out even more because he's saying the actor's name. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. not the character. Oh, yes. It's yes, Laurie exactly. That yeah, that's, that's exactly you know? right. Yeah. So it kind of even elevates that moment even more. So, yeah, that is a great moment. I do One thing I do love about the movie, I love that they at least give lip service to make suggesting a lot of different possible suspects. Oh, yes. You know what absolutely. I mean? Like, yeah. And, Few of them really get taken seriously, but right. almost almost every character has a little bit of, you know, whether it's the sheriff or whatever he is in his boots. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, yeah, Henry yeah. Winkler with the mask. Yeah, absolutely. Like, which yeah. feels like it could be it could be a throwaway, but it's meant to be make you wonder. Yeah, you know, like, even uh, even Dewey when he comes out from the bedroom and like picks up the phone, like Dewey's the least of all of them. But even right. him, like he has a moment where. You kind of think like, wait a second, was he doing that? Was he just on the phone and then hung up and then came in? And, right. And so like it's, yeah, it's, uh, you're right. They they tease you. And that's one thing that I love. It goes beyond like, I love it. And I don't know if I've ever said this on the show before, but I love, 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 love when a scary film has at its heart a mystery. I love it. Either a who done it or a why is this happening or a something. Right. I love when there is a mystery at the heart of the fear that is later solved, whether or not that undoes the fear. Like sure, I sure. just I love that. Because I'm I find myself more engaged with the story trying to figure out what the what the puzzle is. Right, right. So so I love well, that. Interestingly about this. on this go-round, again, it's been so long since I've seen it. When the movie started, I would not have been able to... I, I wasn't remembering exactly how it all shook out. The deeper it got into the movie, I remember, okay, this is what's really going on. But it took a little while before I remember precisely. Sure, it's, sure. It's this right, know, that's right, happening. Right, right, um, I'm a little of two minds on this point. On the one hand, I love it. On the other hand, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And that's how inept the killer comes off in many of the scenes. Oh, like not able Just to... Physica physically. Physically, like, right, right, right. Like, I don't... On the one hand, part of me really likes it. Sure. Because it kind of lends a humanizing element. Especially knowing who it ends up being. Sure, right, right, right. On the other hand, it does deflate a little bit of the threat. Mm. Sort of. I, I, feel, can, I feel like I feel like you're, you're not driving with that idea at all. But. It's not that I don't drive with it at all. I just like it more. To me, it doesn't. To that's me, what I'm saying. I'm kind of. I don't know how to feel about right, it. Right. Right. On one level, I, I think it really works. I don't disagree with you that it does undermine the threat to, to a beat, but I think the whole film has such a good balance of humor and horror sure. in it that I kind of like that. It's almost a little, you know. Roadrunner, Wiley e. Coyote, right, a little bit in right. some of those moments. Um, hints at them without ever going like too far over right. the top. Um, so I, that's something about the film that really endears it to me. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I actually don't disagree with what you're saying. I just like that element. Right. I right. like that it's not a seasoned killer who's able to be like, even to the degree that I was thinking like, how is this killer like supernaturally able to be in this place and then be in this other place? And then the reveal that it's actually two killers, right, I'm like, right, right. well, perfect. Well, that, that explains Remind it. Remind me and spoil for us, do subsequent entries, is it a pair of killers continually? It is in two. 
It is not in three, it is in four. So yeah, so they, so three is an outlier for a few reasons, but in three, there is one killer. Um, well, in, I th I in think two, there's two, and I, I, I love them. I love who it winds up being, because it's actually genuinely surprising, although my wife, shout out to my wife, uh, she, I think, called who the killer was in Scream 2, like, right out the gate. As soon as she, as soon as she saw this character show up, and I didn't, because it's kind of a, a subtle character, but as soon as she saw this kill, this character show up on screen, she was like, that's the killer. And I, so, yeah. Um, well, and I, I do think in the spirit of the question of do I like or dislike the sort of bumbly nature in some of the scenes of the killer in one, like, spoiler alert, we're, we're just going to spoil this story. So Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard being the killers revealed at the end, like... Surprise, Sydney. Matthew Lillard, like, I can buy that physically he's kind of gangly and dopey. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I can kind of go with that. It's interesting, so I would actually, until about a month ago or six weeks ago, I would have said history had not been kind to Matthew Lillard in my estimation, but, but I hadn't really kept up with his work. So I listened to, one, one of the podcasts I do listen to is called The Watch, and it's a pop culture one. Well, they interviewed Matthew Lillard because he appeared... He had a, apparently a pretty substantial role on the new Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. And so he had a pretty, a relatively substantial role on that, and had been recently on The Good Wife. Um, was also in The Descendants, Alexander Payne. Right, right. Movie. Anyway, the interview with him. I mean, I, I finished listening to it, and I was like, "Wow, I really dig Matthew Lillard, and I'm a really? fan." Really? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. It really nice. gave me a lot of appreciation for him. Um, the, the whole interview is just about like being a blue collar actor. Um, oh, okay. He talks about the experience of stratospheric financial success with Scooby Doo, but how it ruined him. Like as wow. in as in like what it meant to kind of have to rebuild himself and all. This. Anyway, it was a really yeah. great interview. So it gave me a lot of newfound respect for him. So kind of going into this, I was ready to kind of reengage. He's fantastic. Oh, and like, this, he's great. I mean, yeah, the, his, great. the final scenes, once the killer's revealed and all that, like, some of the comedic beats he's he's spitting out are just great. Most of which were ad-libbed. Really? Yeah. So, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. No! And, and ad-lib, and ad-lib, when uh, Skeet Ulrich, like, hits him with the phone, that's an accident. So it, so it wasn't supposed to happen, but he's like, hey, like, and, and, and so Craven just left it in because the moment is so organic and natural and works so well. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff was just what Lillard brought to the role, you know? Right. Oh, the You know, like, it's, it's great. I, I, what I wrote down about him is that he, like, he skirts right up to the edge of over the top. Sure. But then, like, and and somebody, if somebody was even being like, I think he crosses the line. Well, the I mean, just as a performer, he's pretty, he's pretty bold. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Mean, physicality and all that sort of stuff. And so, like, scenes. But I buy it for that yeah. character. Well, and I was going to say it. scenes previous to the end, like the, I'm thinking specifically of the scene of all of them around the like fountain or the park bench or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like live her alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. so. It is a bit much yeah 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 yeah. Um, but by the end it all kind of works um, well 
I, I really find, uh, you know, it was going to sound weird the way I was prepping to say it that I like the scene, but I do like the scene once the reveal happens and they are kind of hacking each other. That's, oh. a, that's a rough scene. Yeah, that's, it is. That's yeah. intense. One of the things that I wrote down, and actually the MPAA, I think he had to send the film back to them like seven or eight times because of the gore. And I do think that that final like half hour is so dang bloody. Like, so much blood everywhere. It's almost like, it's almost grosses me out like how sticky they all must have been. Because they did right, because it just right, looks right, like right. saturated with it. Everybody looks covered in blood. And I remember thinking after Skeet Ulrich is finally like shot for the next to last time, not the bullet in the head, but like when he's shot right. um, by, I think Dale Weathers is the one that like, that comes in and shoots him that particular moment. And he's like crawling backwards, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, everybody is so bloody in this. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that whole final sequence, I was noting in this time around, I was like, dang, they make it to that, to that house that I know the rest of the movie takes place in at like the one hour mark. So I'm sitting there like, the second half of this movie is all that that scene you know that location yeah so lots of ins and outs and lots of things happen but it's all like that night that party um and i just find that so impressive i think that they this probably should have gone in trivial bits but i think that they actually when that scene was done i think craven had t-shirts made that said i survived scene 118 (laughs) like because of how long that sequence was but um but I really do love how it all ties together, how it culminates, the kind of arc of Gale Weathers. Uh, I mean, there's just so much for me to love about this film. I love the characters. I love the rhythm. I love the humor. I love the mystery. Um, I love so many of the one-liners. I love the scares. Um, so yeah, I mean, speaking of scares, they abound in this film. At least they did for me the first time watching it. I was very freaked out by the first 15 minutes. Um, I was freaked out virtually every time Sydney was in danger. Um, and then that last 40 minutes or so, but it, it was it was scare in the sense of like, I was never not having fun. Sure. I was, Scream is one of the most fun horror films I have ever seen. Sure. Even when, even when there's moments where I am genuinely like, oh, or, or rattled, it is like so oh. um, it is so much fun yeah and um, and so that's one of the big things that I love about it so I have a handful of things that I would list as scares but again it's like I'm almost having so much fun I don't know I do think um, one I wrote down this time around it, it's it's hard to remember 20 years ago what was scary and what wasn't but this time around I think the the delivery of and the implications in the Drew Barrymore scene of the line, I want to know who I'm looking at. Oh my gosh. Like that's that's a big pivot moment. No question. Because they've uh, shown how remote that house is. Right. Like it's off the beaten path. Oh man. Well, and again, like taking taking the sort of scares on a serious merit. Jeez, the the her death and the parents' arrival home coinciding oh. the way they do are nightmarish. Do you know one of the things they had to do to get a, 
R rating instead of an NC-17 is the shot zooms up to her. When the, when the mom screams and they've seen her, the shot goes very fast up towards oh, her. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, it was slow and building. And wow. Yeah. And the MPAA was Isn't like... such a weird kind yeah, of... Yeah. Yeah. But then the MPAA was like NC-17. And, and so they were like, well, what if we just zoom really quickly? And they're like, okay. Because you can't really see it. It just more sort of evokes it as you're watching it. But yeah, it's gruesome. Well, and it's interesting because that fast zoom does tonal work. Yes. For the for the for the nature for the tone of the film, I agree. I mean, like, like part of me thinks a slow zoom there works, and it, it conveys a lot of heft and gravity. Sure. That that maybe could have been good, but I do think that fast, the way they do it, invokes this kind of frenetic. Yeah. This is going to be a little crazy. Yeah. Kind of movie. The slow zoom would have probably made us prepare for a heavier film than we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree with that. Um, I think the only other, like, really, as I'm processing and thinking about it and reflecting on it now, like, this, you could you could categorize this as a like, but it works for the screen factor too, I mean, the scare factor too, is the, the whole convention of the delayed camera yeah at the end that's oh great. yeah that's really expertly utilized because especially when the cameraman you know jets oh, out and yeah. they just shoot yeah. oh yeah that's fantastic um i love to the um the reveal like the boyfriend killer fake out got me first time around and they totally when had you think they've killed skeet is that what you're saying well the yeah the multiple fake outs hey you think it's him Holy crap, it's Stu. Oh, wait a second. She's called while Stu's in the pen. Or, you know, like, the, the killer calls her. It's clearly not him. Oh my gosh. And then she starts to suspect him again after they've had sex, but she starts to suspect him again. She's like, who, you know, who's your phone call? And then blah, blah, blah. So then he gets taken out, and you're like, oh my gosh. So then when he wanders back, and then Randy says, you know, he's, he's going mad, and he's like, we all go a little mad sometimes. I jaw dropped. I was like, what? No, no, you know? And then that one-two punch of like, you reveal like, holy crap, it was Stu the whole time. And then your brain starts going like, well, how did he do this and how did he do that? And then it's like, oh no, and it's Matthew Lillard too. I'm, I could list that in likes, I could list it in scares, I could list it anywhere. I think that's a, that's a wonderful conceit sure. and a wonderful reveal. Um, well, and it's, yeah. it's played well because, again, hearkening back to anyone's a suspect in this film, they they really play the card heavy of the potential of the dad. But even watching it, you're you're kind of like, I don't can't buy, be right. It's such a red herring, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it. Kinda, but contrary to most red herrings, has a legitimate payoff narratively. With, with uh, when he showed when he re sure. it's revealed yes. that he, they yes. kidnapped yes. him, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that it's substantiated uh, with the uh, you know with uh, Sydney's mom and all that's going on there. Like right. so, so it has a substantial narrative payoff while being a red herring. It's it's great. It's wonderful. Um, that, that's roughly all I've got for scares. I mean, do you feel yeah. like? No, I, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I would just say as a final button that just. Again, reiterating that the whole final scene, 
the whole final 42 minutes is just slasher awesomeness. Like, if you're a fan of the slasher genre, this is a great, great example of it. Well, and I, I just, um, again, this, this could easily fit in other spots, but like, Jamie Kennedy's participation, you, you could almost make the case he really isn't crucial to the film. Oh, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, but he's such a one to give to give you other possible suspects as, as one usefulness. But two, he just really, I mean, his his role once they're in the house is just a great fun sure thing oh, to yeah. watch. Oh yeah, especially if you're me and you imagine it's you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I think there's a couple of thematic stuff going on, a couple of thematic elements going on. Two sort of primary ones. One, what I wrote down is how is, is, is the, the phrasing is how we co-opt the language of movies while ignoring actually living a real life. And, and and as someone who who does what I'm about to say, I still have to constantly keep it in check. Like I think there's this danger, like especially even even in progressive Christian circles, the language of story, the language of narrative, we will heavily incorporate into in, in, into life or, or apply to life in such a way that sometimes becomes hazardous because because you can think so much about the, the, the structure of story and applying it to life and never actually live your life. <laughs> sure, right, right. I don't right. know if that makes any sense whatsoever. Sure, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm following you. Like you, you can, you can establish this construct that sounds really nice, and still ignore the things right around you. Right. You know. Um, I don't know. That really kind of stood out to me. The the other main thing that the movie really plays heavily into, and and you may be able to speak to this more than I can, but. Scream is such a is a movie about what most folks who would raise an eyebrow at what we do at the fear of God worry most about. Which and what I mean by that is that age-old accusation of, well, don't you worry about how that's gonna influence you? Or right. like like right. the responsibility and content kind of conversation. Sure, right. You know, like because Scream the movie is about people who have consumed I, I'm not going to say they've consumed so much or consumed too much but they have taken what they've consumed and they have let it infuse, infect dictate the actions of their life in a in a, an extremely destructive and negative way oh absolutely you know and I, I think like I am I am new to the level of enmeshment I'm experiencing with the horror genre and stuff but I've always like genre and you know scary type of material sure right you you enmeshed much longer than I am to a heavier degree 
but even even my wife these days you know she she i i debrief take shelter podcast with her oh she's sure. like well of course you have nightmares you watch all these movies I'm like well I don't, I don't know it feels a little different right right what you're saying feels a little different than what i'm experiencing but that sort of impulse people will have sure oh god how can you watch all that stuff which which hear me <laughs> we're at halloween horror nights and i've had the crap scared out of me so <laughs> I get it. Like I'm not. Just, are you I'm gonna not, Are you gonna want a spoon buddy at, when you sleep tonight? Oh, like, I I've mean, got, if you do it. Uh, no, no, no. My oh. son's My son's got an Olaf, a life size oh, Olaf oh. that you're welcome to. I thought you were offering yourself. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Olaf. You know, um, <laughs> he gives warm hugs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. Wow. Um, but. Yeah, I'm not. Dis- I'm not dismissing the notion that watching scary things, depending on your palate, can be very scary. I'm not, sure, sure. I'm not dismissing that. Like, you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't engage in things that are too heavy for you. At the same time, I think the movie is at least interested in that conversation of how you do weigh and, and where intention or weigh intention what you consume and how it does affect you or doesn't. Sure. Well, it's the, so this is actually was the primary sort of on the nose theme that I had about, you know, violent, violent content, begetting violent behavior and vice versa, et cetera. Well, Scream has uh, been taken to court a couple of times because somebody put on the ghost face mask and killed somebody and it was found out that they watched Scream and I actually they, not know yeah that. and they said that they were inspired by it and everything most of the time the presiding judges through to my knowledge no influence whatsoever from like entertainment moguls or anything the judges usually in those cases have tended to say like you committed murder right we're right. not gonna make this the Scream murder right right you committed a murder your methodology or influence or whatever, you're still ultimately responsible right, right, right. for what you've done and that's what's gonna be on trial here. Sure. Is did you, are you responsible for this or are you not? Um, which I appreciate because I think that, that's, that there's some wisdom to that, but that is something that people would ask constantly. And I do think, you know, we look at how violent we are as a culture and the question is valid of what are the video games and the films and the other stuff that we're doing what is it what is it putting into our souls what is right. it putting into our minds what is it what is it doing to us um, I love horror films. This is not the final episode of the Fear of God, you know. Like, like, but, but, but I do think we still got. Uh, you know, we got to finish hashtag out of the nineties. I know we got one more at least. Right, you know, right. um, but I think it is a worthy conversation to have. It's a worthy question to ask to say like, and we are very attentive to this. I, I feel like maybe we could be more intentional on the show about this. But I feel like you and I, as people, will constantly beat the drum of hey. If you don't like engaging with this material, then like listen to us for the theology or listen to us for the entertainment the or jokes. whatever, the jokes. But but if you don't if you don't want to watch the movie, then you don't have to watch the movie. Like right, whatever. Right. Uh, we'll spoil it for you, but you don't have to watch it. Um, and we encourage discernment in your engagement with what you do, because if you don't have the particular palette, Stu, who admittedly is 
the villain of the piece, says movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And, um, you know, it is, it is a, as I mentioned a couple of times now, fear I'm repeating myself, but it is a worthy question to ask. How is the stuff I'm taking in impacting me? Am I, like, I agree with your kickback a bit to, to what your wife was telling you. I don't think that your nightmares and your time on the fear of God is connected in that, in that substantive way. But it's worth asking, uh, do I need to come up for air? Do I need to... Uh, you know, do I need to be more attentive to external things that I should be uh, balancing this with? Or just basically saying, like, how is the art in any capacity that I am in, inputting into my spirit going to output in my behavior? Right. What's, what's going to happen there? I do think that it's like what Stephen King said about his book Rage, that... Um, did it cause these things? No, it, it didn't. Is it an accelerant? Maybe. Right, right. Like, did it just create some, you know, somebody who's normally very healthy and well-balanced reads a violent book or even reads a sequence of violent books and then's like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. Right. Probably not. Very unlikely, uh, if not impossible. But somebody who's already a little off balance and now having language with which to, or language or methodology with which to do that, because they did the same thing with The Sopranos, which is not a horror film, but uh, a, a, a murderer disposed of a body the same way that Tony Soprano disposed of one of his victims' bodies. And the same sort of conversation happens, like, oh, well, is Sopranos to blame? Is art to blame? Is, is this other thing to blame? So, um, I'll bring in I'll bring in the scripture that I had in mind with with that specific uh, context, and then I'll and then I'll sort of wrap my bow on this. Proverbs chapter three and verses thirty one or verse thirty one just simply says, "Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways." Very simple. Proverbs is to the point. There's not a lot of extrapolation that needs to be happening there. Do not envy the violent. Do not choose any of their ways. I think that in the context of a movie like Scream and the potential influence or not that it may have on unstable hearts and minds, um, I think that the, the bigger and more important conversation is to be mindful of any degree of art, any degree of influence in your life, and to be mindful of are you the this is a this is an analogy I've heard several times from several pulpits but are you the thermometer or are you the thermostat so a thermometer reflects the temperature right a thermostat influences the temperature sure so are you the one that's like oh we're getting a 79 turn on the air crank up the AC right, right. we're getting down to 60s crank up the heat or are you just simply the thermometer in whatever room you are in, you're just going to reflect that temperature? Um, and I think if you can gauge, if you can carry the self-awareness into the conversation, 
ask yourself honestly and sincerely, am I, th nothing wrong with being, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a thermometer. Right. But I do think if you are a thermometer, then you need to be mindful of what room you're in. Well, and I, I feel like, and, and I, I don't want to staunch the potential here. As you're talking, I'm just really reflecting and thinking a lot about, like, we could really have a lot of meaty conversation in this moment. Like, the, 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 the phrase that keeps ringing in my spirit right now as you're talking is and I'll try to connect some dots but is culturally we are just so emotionally unwell right right and you know it's funny I've, I've actually un, unrelated to scream and so so this is why I'm getting real reflective right now is because thoughts I've had lately are clicking into now this conversation and adding some context and flavor to it. But like, um, I, I have thought lately, so I, I, I grew up playing video games. I love, well, at least historically, love video games and that sort of thing. But it's been a long time since I've, I've invested the level of energy and time in what exists as the current state of video games. What I mean by that is like, deeply enmeshed virtual experiences. Sure, like okay, yeah. time, right, right. all that sort of stuff. Where I'm going right now is there was thoughts recently of like that you could carry out and say, well, Nathan, don't just play in video games. So that was sort of where I was going to go. But like we are recording right now. We are recording post uh, Las Vegas. Right, right. And like my whole comment just a minute ago about video games would apply or at least would be relative to like a Dylan Roof, a young person who carries out this terrible act. Sure. But the Las Vegas guy is a 64 year old dude. Like this isn't right. someone holed up playing video games all day. Right, right. And it's interesting, man, like my heart just breaks because I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to lay some disparate pieces on the table and maybe you or maybe just through talking through can coalesce them into something coherent but it's funny I had the thought a minute ago as I was reflecting on the Las Vegas thing like the level of gun violence today versus 97 right okay. I don't know I, I don't have the history in front of me but we've come a long way Yes. In 20 years yeah. with how violent we are in terms of guns. Sure. Um, and I just see these arguments on social media and, and one, to listeners and to you, Reed, and to me, Nathan, like, we've, we've got to be diligent and protective of ourselves and our spirits and how we engage in social media. Sure. But I see these conversations where it's like, well... Changing the gun laws isn't going to do anything. Uh, you, I mean, people will still kill people. And read like that statement. You, uh, I say this with love. You make comments like this far more than I do, and not as in they're insincere from you. I don't mean that. I just there's a lot of gravity attached to this statement. To say people are just going to kill people is is a satanic thought. 
Right. Because of what's always behind it, which is, oh, just, oh, no. People are just going to kill people. It just is right. what it is. Right. It right. just is what it is. Don't take my guns away. People are just going to kill people. Don't right. take my weapons away. People are just going to kill people. Right. It just is. That's what it is. Like, that is, that, I don't know these days what I feel about the concept of a literal hell, but that smells like a literal hell. Oh, it definitely smells you like You know what smoke. I mean? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, because it absolves responsibility. Right. And I just, like, it, it is interesting. I, I am not leveling an accusation at screen. I'm, I'm saying it invites sure. this conversation. Right. 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 Um, in a really positive way to ask these questions. Like, we, we, we don't get to say... There may de be demented souls out there who I would not tell them don't say that. We as faithful lights in darkness yeah. don't get to join the darkness and say people are just going to kill people. Right, 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 right. Like that is, to me, to me uh, I made this bold declaration perhaps on my own Twitter recently. Like that argument from Christians to me, and this is a strong statement, is 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 abdicating your role in in the work of Christ. Because I mean, it's it, it, I don't know. I I can't think of other contexts in which we just wash our hands right of the violence of the world. Well, because I think context is important. I think if that statement is made. If that statement is made in a wash your hands attitude where somebody is like, hey, it's inevitable, so make sure I'm prote protected, safe, sheltered, all this other sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's what I have talked about in other contexts, and maybe this will maybe this will come up again in a future in a in a film we're going to talk about. I don't wanna I don't wanna lead things too heavy here. It's a conversation for another time, but the idea of just let the world burn. Right. Just just let it be done. Um, that notion of just let it burn, just let it be done, uh, that is satanic. That sure. is that is Pilate literally washing his hands, what happens to Christ is not is not to do with me. But isn't but isn't audience members don't know that I just tapped you rather vigorously uh, to interrupt you there. Like but what is so frightening is that is a predominant attitude conveyed, not just thought, but conveyed and preached sure. from the church. Yeah. Which is, Lord, just take me. Or, yeah. or yeah. heaven's coming. I, I, I'm the, 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 the ignoring, the abdicating, the, the washing my hands of the state of things around me for potentially, for, for anticipation of, of a potential future. Sure, right, right. Like, to me, that is so un-Christ-like. Um, yeah, and well, I, and, and, I, feel, and... I feel like we were dancing on the sort of, the lighthearted nature of this movie, and I, I, I don't know if it was my fault or, or a combination of things. Oh, it's, there's it, no fault. Took it super serious. There's no fault, but I will bring in a different scripture to, to sort of make a comment on here. Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So what I was scratching at earlier is 
I think there's a way in which you can make the statement, people are just going to kill people, and it is actually just an acknowledgement of a present reality. Sure. But that's very different than, let me wash my hands and let the world burn. Right. Not my problem, not my responsibility. There is one thing which says, hey, you're going to make mistakes, people get sick, bad things happen, right. beautiful and sure. terrible things happen. Sure. All that. There's a difference between acknowledging there is awfulness in the world around us and saying there's nothing we can do about it. There's a difference, right. but there's a right. difference between the attitude which says, hey, take some perspective because things are going to happen right? and saying, well, things are going to happen, so don't come to me with ideas or hopes or thoughts for improvement. Don't come to me with ideas or hopes or, or wants that there can be any sense of hope coming out of this. Like, right, you know, so right. don't bother me with that. Wash my hands of this and move and move on and just make sure that I stay safe and protected and home and all that's good. So so that's what I think the real the real detrimental, dare I say satanic idea mindset is, is to say, not my problem. Not not my issue. Right. You know? Right. I do think that there is some hope in recognizing the collective sinful state in which we live and acknowledging because you because to get out of wherever you are you got to know two things you got to know where you're going and you got to know where you are so i do think that there is some wisdom in letting no you know holding in tandem and intention an awareness of things are jacked up right but we're going somewhere sure and i think that what what I hear and am, am feeling about what you're saying is there are people who will be like, things are jacked up. Peace. Right, bye. Right, right. I'm out. You're on your own. Y'all have fun. You know? Well, that and uh, it's just me and Jesus. He got, he, you know, we got this. Like, right. Like, right. Like, I just think there's so much danger. And, and, and again, you used the phrase a second ago, collective. Like, Enough folk, it feels like these days, believe that sensibility that that does. I'm hesitant to say things like that scares me, but it is a danger. Sure. To the health of the world. Yes, it <laughs> absolutely mean, is. You yeah. know, um, when that is, is, is a predominant presentation of the quote-unquote Christian life. I just think, yeah. I, well, I, I, I agree. I, I, I will say this. I, I am glad this conversation led down this path. Not because I was, I was ready to poo-poo scream, not at all, but just I did not... Going into this conversation, I wasn't quite knowing the substance would quite be there. Would, that would lend itself to yeah. that, yeah. Um, anyway, all that to say, I mean, do you have any other sort of thematic buttons to tie off? No, in, in fact, I'll just sort of put a button on, uh, you know, just be mindful of what you engage with and be mindful of your, in, you know, like we've said before, we've said it on the show before, be mindful of your level of influence, be mindful of what is influencing you. Sure. Just be attentive to both ends of that spectrum. Right. And, uh, and, and other than that, you know, um, Love the Lord, 
do as you please and and if you are serious about both of those things then you will produce further goodness in the world right right you know? uh, so so what I would say in response to that is do you want to uh, do you want to go and uh, observe some more violence and and more and uh, and do you want to my delicate spirit can make it, <laughs> but we'll do it. Uh, all right, so so yeah, we'll uh, let's let's uh, get close to like a maze or something, and then we'll tag back in on on David Pumpkin. Well, um, we're making our way out of the out of the park. Um, gonna call it a. Call it a night, and quite a night it was. Um, but lest we forget, we have a little bit of a wrap-up to do with our conversation on Scream. Yes. Which who knew where that was going to go, or what that uh, what that was going to be all about? Right. Um, so uh, of course we have to bring in. Evidently, our DJ, our disco tech DJ. Um, no, brother, that is the Jabawakis. Ah, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. We've got to bring in our our good friend David S. Pumpkins. Yes. Then, if, if if audience sends silence for me, it's because my spider sense is in full activation mode. We're about to wander through what Halloween Horror Nights terms a scare zone where uh, people in terrifying costumes will come up to you and, you know, with sometimes with weapons or just other scary effects. So anyway, yes. Um, so yeah, we've still got to do David Pumpkins. If you hear a thing, there, there's one of those. Speaking of uh, pumpkins. Uh, yeah. So we got to talk about screams. And David has pumpkins. There's a giant guy on stilts who just walked past us. Yeah. In a horrifying outfit. And another death head. Um, so with. Oh my god. These friggin'. Photo. These friggin' people. Um, David has pumpkins and scream. So yes, we grade these movies on a metric scale based on David has pumpkins, zero through five. Uh, first, with. Where are we going, Reed? We're going right over here okay. past uh, um, this guy. Uh, first of. What was our first one? Uh, <laughs> style. Style. Style is strange. Style is strange. Um, I'm going to start with... Um, oh my god. With a prayer? You can start right, with a right, prayer. Right. <laughs> oh my if god. If anyone can see us right now, I am like... I am like overlapping your body right you're, now. You're walking. We're walking, but you're close. Yeah, we're close. You're you're super close. There's a friendship. Didn't quite prepare Reed for just how close. Oh, there's no weight on today. Titans of Terror. Well, I'm fun with that. So, <laughs> um, yes, style for stream. I'm going to rank as a, uh, I'd say a three and a half. Okay, for, for me, style. For style. I don't. I don't know that it quite did what I wanted it to do based on my my memory of it from 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, but I still did have a good time watching it on the big screen again and everything. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and uh, <laughs> oh my god! 
I think for uh, for style, for me, for Scream, I think there's only one answer. I've got to give it a five. Okay. I, I, I love it. I loved it just as much the as the last time that I that I watched it. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a solid, undeniable five. So uh, what about what about scares for you? Um, I think what I was expressing in terms of my feelings and uncertainty about how I felt about how the killer presented himself in costume in the film, um, I, I think I'm probably going to lean uh, in terms of scares this time around at about a three. Whoa, that seriously kind of undercuts. Yeah, that's interesting. I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm not, no judgment on that. I'm I mean, just surprised I, I think, that it's not I a little higher. The, the Drew Barrymore sequence is very strong. Sure. I just think it did. It, it will get redeemed somewhat in substance, but yeah, I mean, this time around wasn't quite as kind as my memory had. Sure, sure. Um, I think for me, for scares, it's going to land at a four point five. Wow. Um, I still, I still think that its scares are fun, but I think they're plenteous. So yeah. that's, so that's the thing for me. It's like. Yeah, it's not going to be your nightmarish sort of film, but yeah, it's it's abounding with jumps and twists and and uh, frights aplenty for me. So four and a half for that. What about uh, uh, for substance? Um, I do think there's a good bit going on there um, that wasn't just. Now we imported a lot, yes, but I do think the movie's got a lot going on. So I, I would I would not feel uh, like I was being too generous to give it a four for substance. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, for substance, I think I think your four is is really on target. I think I would do the same with uh, with a four, and uh, I, I feel like that's kind of the the right number for it because we obviously extrapolated a lot, right? But um, but I think that's really the the place to land with it. Um, so that means that, you know, hashtag I love the nineties, man. We just, we just doling out these, these well, eights, eights I mean, out of it's, 10. It's pretty, I don't know if what you're saying is that's a good one or, or Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I think say, that's I mean, good. Like, there's a reason people voted for these. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Regardless of my feelings on screen this immediate moment, like I still am affectionate towards it. Sure. And, and sure. certainly, I mean, when you and I were discussing what would ultimately be the top 10, even for us like scream fit there easily right so, right absolutely so i absolutely. mean i think it's natural in a series like this where we're assessing um a a a broad sample of people's favorite horrors of a certain era sure we're, they're, they're just going to present a strong and so these are good movies um we do have one more to get to next week that will finish out i love the 90s that i'm, I'm pretty excited about yeah, me conversation too. For. Yeah, um, me too. You know, as 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 sort of a final button here, Reed, we're exiting. We're out. We're out. Exiting my first Halloween horror night. It's perhaps my last. Um, <laughs> oh. it, has, it has been fun doing these two episodes from here. It really has. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming out here and spending this time with me. Um, and as we say on every episode. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. 
Uh, if you want to continue this conversation with us about any of the things that we've discussed uh, regarding Scream or Horror Nights or really anything else, then you can do so in a variety of ways. Easiest and best way is probably through Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter where, Nathan? What's our Twitter handle? At the fear of God. You can also uh, like us on Facebook, follow us there, comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? At the Nathan Rouse. And you can go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other posts uh, available to you. And uh, you can also uh, email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you listen to us through iTunes, we would really appreciate a review. Uh, so Nathan. Read. You made it. I did. You made it. I'm so happy for you. A and I'm so. off my life. That's probably true. More gray hairs. It's probably even more true. But a more solid friendship than perhaps we had at the start of the day. I, I, I venture to say, I venture to say, yes, I have the uh, the bruises and the the marks on my body that that uh, substantiate that claim. But uh, but thanks again so much for being my friend, for being here, for experiencing yeah. horror nights with me, and for having these conversations as we always do. I appreciate it, buddy. And we've got one more hashtag I love the '90s left next week, and it is a doozy. So we will see you then, and yeah, uh, happy early Halloween. We'll talk to you later. See you guys. is like safe space yeah. Springfield is the is the place where you don't have to worry about anybody jumping out at you you don't have to worry about anything messing with you it is it's just yeah. fun yeah yeah I know if you had it to do you would probably just hang out in Springfield exclusively Eat at Moe's or drink at Moe's, eat at Krusty Burger. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere yeah. where I don't have to fear for my body and soul. <laughs> <laughs>